Hey, welcome back to another episode of the Bible and Life podcast. You know, I am so encouraged to see what God is doing in and through this podcast. It took about 20 months for us to hit 20,000 downloads on the podcast. And now in the last, oh, 11, 11 and a half months, we've we've doubled that with another 20,000. And so to see God expanding the reach and growing the audience and see the podcast being listened to in more places and and knowing uh, stories of people whose faith is being built up as a result of this podcast in places around the world, countries I didn't even know existed. And so, ah, man, I'm just super encouraged to see God's hand in all that, see God's work in that. I am also super grateful and super encouraged by those of you who really make this ministry possible. But I stepped out in faith a little over two years ago and said, I think I want to begin creating online Bible teaching content. I didn't have a full-time job at the time because I had transitioned out of my last ministry. I mentioned that to my wife. Her first question is, well, can we make a living doing that? I don't know, but I think that's the direction God is leading me. I want to try that. And here we are a little over two years later, and though we're not bringing in enough money to make ends completely meet, uh, God has been faithful and has sustained us. And he's done that through your guys' generosity by and large. About 65% of what we bring in each month is because of the generosity of people just like you. And man, that's that's just huge. It wasn't my necessarily original vision when I started this, but you guys have been so supportive and so faithful. And so it's really a partnership between you and me as we uh, teach the Bible and and then to see the expansion and the growth and see people all around the world being encouraged and built up and growing in their faith as a result of your guys' support and generosity. Humbling, uh, grateful, encouraging. Those are the words that just keep ringing through my mind. And so thank you so, so much for your support. And if you've been blessed or impacted in some way by this ministry, and you have the financial resources to do so, I would invite you to join the team and just become a supporter of the Bible and Life ministry and the Bible and Life podcast. There's a link down below where you uh, can go to World Family Mission and my donate page there. That's the organization under which all donations are given uh, that provides a little bit of financial accountability and also is a 5013C and so that you can get uh, the tax deductible benefit of your donations as well. So, Thank you so much for your investment. Thank you for your support. And thank God for the good things he's doing in and through this ministry because of your generosity and support. All right, in this episode, we're going to talk about reading the Bible, right? Reading the Bible is one of the most important spiritual practices for any follower of Jesus. It is food for our soul. It is wisdom for our life, and yet, if we are honest, reading the Bible is not always easy. Uh, Sometimes, um, particularly when we're first following Jesus and we're first learning his way, people will tell us over and over again, read the Bible. Are you reading the Bible? How is your Bible reading? Do you have a Bible reading plan? Uh, Oftentimes at the beginning of a year where we're at right now, People are encouraging us. You want to do a Bible reading plan with me? And you're like, I've never read through the whole Bible. Maybe I should do that. And so all this encouragement to read the Bible. And sometimes what happens is we jump in. It's like, okay, I'm going to read the Bible this year. I'm actually going to do it. I'm going to read the Bible. I'm going to try to have a regular plan. We jump in. We start reading the Bible. 
And it feels like we've been set up on a bad blind date. Uh, Just being honest, right? You open the Bible and you start reading it. And before long, all of a sudden, particularly if you start at the beginning, say you start in Genesis and it's not long and you're in Genesis chapter five. I mean, you're just a day or two into your Bible reading and you're in Genesis chapter five and it's uh, so-and-so lived so many years and had uh, other sons and daughters and he died. And then so-and-so lived so many hundreds of years, and he had other sons and daughters, and he died. And over and over again, it's like this massive genealogy of all these people, and it's just this list. They lived this long, they had other sons and daughters, and he died. They lived this long, had other sons and daughters, and he died. And it's like, and I was like what's that? Well, okay, start at the New Testament. Start the, okay, fine, start at the New Testament. So you flip over to Matthew chapter 1, and what do you have? The exact same stuff, a list of genealogy, all these begats, all these people, so-and-so gave birth to so-and-so, and his you know, grandfather was so-and-so, right? And it's like, and that's hard. It's like, what is that? I thought this was supposed to be food for my soul and wisdom for life, and why am I just reading a list of people's names? And um, Or sometimes it just seems like there is uh, weird bits of literature, like the book of Revelation. Um, as awesome maybe as some bits of Revelation are, a lot of it is just like weird and confusing and beasts with seven heads and scorpions' tails and what in the world are we talking about and I don't get it. And that's probably why most people don't actually read it, right? And the Bible is just this crazy weird book. And that's why I say sometimes when it's like you finally decide to start reading the Bible, it feels like you've been set up on a bad blind date. Like you're, you're, being set up. Someone told you you should do it. They've paired you up. Now you're out on this blind date and you start talking to the woman and you can barely understand her. She's got a thick accent, right? And uh, you can barely understand him. He makes weird jokes and he wants to take you to a different kind of restaurant and it's different kind of food and you're not even sure what it is and his accent is so thick and he doesn't laugh at your jokes and you don't laugh at his because you don't understand each other, right? And it just feels like, what in the world just happened? And at the end of that first date, you're like, I don't even know if I want to do that again, right? And sometimes that's the way it feels when reading the Bible. Like we've been set up on this blind date and all of a sudden we realize, oh, they said he or she is a great person and maybe they are, but man, they're from a different world than me and I, I don't know if I get them. And that's because, get this, this is really important to make sure we understand about the Bible. That's because the Bible, on one hand, is God's Word. All Scripture is God-breathed, inspired, and is profitable for teaching, correction, reproof, rebuke, right? 2 Timothy 3, 16 and 17, that the man or woman of God might be adequate, equipped, built up for every good work. It's God's word inspired by him, and it's therefore useful. But on the other hand, the Bible is also an incredibly human book. It's very much breathed out by God, and it's very much a human book. And that combination makes it incredibly challenging and difficult when we sit down to read it. And if we're going to read it well, and if we're actually going to understand it, and we're actually going to fall in love with it, we're going to have to learn to read it in keeping with both parts of its nature. We can't just read it as if it's God's word to us, 
and ignore the fact that it's a very human book written in a different time and place to different people. On the other hand, we don't want to just read it as if it's a history book and not as if it's God's word with God's wisdom for us. We've got to balance both of those two out as we read the Bible. So how do we do that? Well, I actually have a little document on my website. It's totally free. I would encourage you to go over and download it. It's seven tips for immediately getting more out of the Bible. I'll put a link to it down below. You can check it out. It's right on the homepage of my website. Seven tips for immediately getting more out of the Bible when you sit down to read it. And it it actually approaches both these sides. How do we read it as God's Word? And at the same time, how do we read it as ancient literature? Ancient Near Eastern literature in the Old Testament, ancient Greco-Roman literature in the New Testament. We have to read it as both. And so that little document gives some guides, some tips, some resources uh, that can help you out. So seven uh, ways to read the Bible that'll help you read it immediately, get more out of it there on my website, link to that down below. But in this episode, I want to explore some of that together and give some suggestions just to help you think this through, because this is just terribly important. And so if you're diving into the Bible this year, maybe you're doing a Bible reading plan this year, maybe you've already experienced some of this tension, some of this frustration. And what we have to remember is this, this is so important, that Although the Bible is God's word for us, the Bible wasn't originally written to us. Did you catch that? The Bible is indeed God's word for us. All scriptures God breathed is useful, so it's God's word for us. But it wasn't originally written to us. We're not the original audience. There was an original audience before us, and if we're going to understand the Bible well— We have to hear it the way the original author and the way the original audience intended it to be heard. So we have to make sure we get into their world a little bit and we listen to it well. Let me give you an illustration. I've been working on 2 Thessalonians for the listener's commentary. If you haven't checked out the listener's commentary, that's where I teach straight through New Testament books. I actually have eight New Testament books done. There's hours and hours of free content at the listener's commentary. So there's a link to that down below as well, listenerscommentary.com, or you can listen to it on your podcast app. So wherever you're listening to this, just go and look for, search for the listener's commentary on the New Testament, and you'll be able to find it. I've got eight New Testament books there. Just finished First Thessalonians. So now I'm prepping to record uh, Second Thessalonians. Lord willing, I'll, I'll start that next week. But here's an example of this issue from Second Thessalonians, that the Bible, although it's God's word for us, it wasn't originally written to us. Second Thessalonians chapter 2 is the infamous passage about the man of lawlessness. Some people refer to it as the Antichrist. Here's the thing, though. There have been hundreds of different interpretations of the man of lawlessness, like especially thinking through who does it refer to? There's been just tons of suggestions at what he's getting at and how we understand what this is about. So that means it's hard, right? Like when scholars are wrestling with what this is about, it's hard. Well, why is it so hard? Here's why. 2 Thessalonians chapter 2, beginning in verse 1, says this, Now, concerning the coming of our Lord Jesus Christ and our being gathered together to him, we ask you, brothers and sisters, not to be quickly shaken in mind or alarmed, either by a spirit or a spoken word or a letter seeming to be from us to the fact that the day of the Lord has already happened. What's going on? Uh, Paul is aware of the fact that somehow 
the Thessalonians have gotten some sort of message, some communication. He's not sure how. Spirit or a spoken word or a letter, some sort of communication that's, that, that claimed to be from Paul and his ministry team as to the fact that Jesus has already returned. We didn't get that letter. They did. And the reason they're confused is because of some sort of deceitful communication. Not only that, immediately after that sentence that I just read, Paul begins to give an explanation as to why that couldn't have happened. Don't let anyone deceive you. It couldn't have happened yet. Here's why it didn't happen. And in the here's why it didn't happen, he says that the rebellion has to come first and the man of lawlessness has to be revealed. Then he says this in verse 5. Don't you remember that when I was still with you, I was telling you these things? And our answer is, well, no, I don't remember you telling us about these things. In other words, Paul is jogging their memory about things he's already taught them. But there's nothing in our memory to be jogged. And so when we read about the man of lawlessness in 2 Thessalonians chapter 2, we don't have the benefit of that, that teaching that Paul already gave them. And so we read it. And he gives vague details to jog their memory, and we're confused, and we're a little bit lost. And hence the reason there's such a difficult time understanding and so many different ideas as to what exactly Paul is talking about in 2 Thessalonians chapter 2. We need to be honest about that. We're not the original audience. And thus they had uh, some access to information we don't have, and we're confused more so than they probably were when they read that. And it's that kind of stuff that makes the Bible hard to understand. So we have to bear in mind its dual nature. It is God's word for us. It's just that it wasn't originally written to us. It was written in a different time and a different place where there was a different culture in a different language to an original audience that sometimes had very specific needs or asked very specific questions that aren't our own. And if we're going to understand it well, we have to read the Bible honoring both parts of its nature. It's very much like the nature of Jesus. Jesus was fully God and fully man, 100% God, 100% man. He was, as Paul says, all the fullness of deity dwelt in him in bodily form, fully human, fully God. Well, the Bible is very much the same way. It is a divine book inspired by God and God's word, and it's a human book written by human authors to a real human audience living in real cities, in a real culture, in a real time and place. And so we're going to have to learn to read it in keeping with it, it, both parts of its nature, both sides of its nature. How do we do that? What does that look like? Well, on one hand, we have to do and be willing to do some historical work, right? Like there is some historical background to the Bible. There is, since it's written to real people living in real places, we're going to have to be willing to learn about those people and those places. We're going to have to be willing to put ourselves in their shoes and make sure we uh, we respect their culture and their language and their issues and their needs, right? We're going to have to be willing to do some historical work. That's just part of reading the Bible and being honest. Like traveling to the Bible or reading the Bible is like traveling to a foreign world in a different time and place. Like getting in a time machine and going to a foreign country 
way before ours. That's what we're doing when we read the Bible, which means we're just going to have to be willing to do some historical work to understand the Bible. Who were the Thessalonians? Where was Thessalonica? Right? What were their issues? What were they struggling with? If we're reading the Old Testament, like what, what was it like to live in the days of Moses? Who were these people? Who were the Amalekites? Who were the Philistines? Right? Who were the Egyptians and uh, the Hittites and all these other people? Where are these places? Right? The geography. We're just going to have to be willing to be humble enough and respect the way God chose to reveal himself enough that we do some historical work. And we read it historically. And we're going to have to do some Googling and some uh, researching and try to figure out these places. And in that document I mentioned uh, on my website, that Seven Ways to Read, I give some suggestions, some actual resources where you could do some of that and some trustworthy places even online where you can find some of that information and do some historical work. That's part of it. We're going to have to do some historical reading. Sometimes we're going to have to put on our thinking skills a little bit more, and we're just going to have to listen really closely. Like, think of reading the Bible like having a culture or having a conversation with someone from a different culture. We're going to have to ask good questions. We're going to have to listen closely. We're going to have to be gracious and humble and realize, ah, oh, there's things I just don't get and don't, don't totally understand, right? We're going to have to be willing to do that. So we're going to have to use our thinking skills and, and our questioning skills and just ask good questions and really listen hard to the text. We're going to have to do that because we're having a conversation with a foreign person from a different different world and a different time and place in history. So we're going to have to use our thinking skills and ask good questions. Uh, another thing that means is as we respect the divine nature, we're going to want to do some theological reading, right? Like we're going to want to, what does this tell me about God and what God values and God's priorities and the way God interacts with humans? And so we're going to have to try to look at it from God's perspective and what is God saying through this? And so, and, and what does this show me about what really is important to God himself? God's the main character in the Bible. And we want to make sure we're entering into God's story as we walk through the reading of Scripture and help us see that well. And so we're going to have to do some theological reading. And because it's God's word for us, intending to nourish our souls, intending to deepen our relationship with God, we're also going to want to do some spiritual reading. We are going to want to slow down and meditate on the text. And after we feel like we've listened well and we've heard the text, we are not going to want to stop at that point because it's not just a history book and it's not just a human book. It is God's Word. So then we're going to want to talk to God about what we're seeing and about what we're learning and about what we're hearing Him say in the text. And so we're going to want to communicate back to Him and and pray, and God, here's what I'm seeing in the text, and here's what's challenging me, and, and God, can you give me wisdom to how to put this into practice in my world and in my time and place? And so we're going to want to bring the text into our world and talk to God about what we're seeing. So we interact with him, spiritual reading of the text. And so we want to do all of that if we're going to read the Bible well. We're going to have to do that historical work. We're going to have to do that contextual work and that listening closely, that questions and answers and wrestling with it. But we're also going to want to pray our way through it and talk to God about what we're hearing in the text and learning. We're going to have to blend all of that together to read the Bible well. And that requires us to be disciplined. That requires us to be humble. That requires us to be patient. That requires us to recognize learning the Bible is going to take 
uh, effort and energy. We can't just grab five minutes here and take a snippet there and rip this verse out of context over there. I think we got it all figured out. And we're going to have to be willing to slow down, take our time, and have a really a long game approach to the Bible. Read it uh, over and over again. Listen to it. Uh, gain fresh insights, talk to God more and more. And then the more we actually study and understand the Bible, then we're in a position to be able to really speak to God about what he's saying to us through the Bible. And the Bible then begins to come to life. From it. Again, that bad blind date example. If you're like, all right, all right, the person said, you know, she's great or he's great. It's going to take a little effort after that first date. You call him up and you're like, Man, that did not go so well. You did not prep me for that. That was actually a lot harder than I thought. And he, he's like, your friend is like, just give it some time. Give it some time. That's what I'm saying. Give it some time, right? Have a second date. Have a third date. Take your time. Listen closely. Ask good questions. And after time, all of a sudden, the lights come on. And you're like, oh, she is incredible. Oh, she is wonderful. And that's what happens with the Bible. If you'll engage. And if you'll take the time to really hear it, all of a sudden the Bible comes to life and it becomes more three-dimensional. And as you enter into its world, now you're being shaped by its world and you're really beginning to see what's going on in the text. And yes, there's going to be things that we just don't totally understand, like 2 Thessalonians chapter 2. It's like, well, Paul, I think this is what you're saying, but I don't have the benefit. And we're going to have to be humble about that. And that humility is good for us and good for our soul. But if we'll do that, if we'll be humble and patient, Oh, the Bible will come to life, and our heart, our soul, our worldview will be shaped by it, and we will begin to live in this world as the people of God. And that is what God wants to have happen as we encounter and engage with Him through His Word, revealed to this in this unique book that is both God's Word to us, and yet, at the same time, a very, very human book written to other people first. So I would encourage you to swing over to johnwhitaker.net, grab that little guide, seven ways uh, to read the Bible that'll help you immediately get more out of it because uh, it'll give more details on what I just explained in here and it'll give more tips for how to do that, even some resources for how to do that. I'd also encourage you to check out the listener's commentary if you haven't done that and it can kind of become a guide to help you study and read the Bible on your own. I actually just got a uh, Facebook message a week or two ago, a couple weeks ago from a guy listening to the listener's commentary over on the East Coast with a picture of his Bible. He says, what my Bible looks like after listening to your listener's commentary. And he had notes in the margin. He had things marked up. And so uh, we're going to have to be willing to do some work. And it's it's a little bit of both, right? Like It's a little bit of Bible study. And it's this prayerful reading through the text so that our soul is fed by it. And so um, engage with God's Word that way. Grab those resources and really begin to discipline yourself to dig into God's Word so that it can actually shape you heart and soul as you try to follow God in your time and in your place according to the wisdom of His Word. Hey, thanks for tuning in to this episode of the Bible and Life Podcast. Once again, I appreciate each and every one of you so much. You're an encouragement to me. Let me know, if you would, how the podcast has helped you. Share it on social media. Um, shoot me a, a, a quick little review, just in a sense or two, letting me know how it was helpful to you. And maybe I'll post that on social media and let other people know about the podcast through your words. So thanks a ton for being a part of the Bible and Life uh, family. God bless you guys. I hope you have a wonderful week in Christ. Now go and read the Bible 
and engage with God through it. Take care. I will talk to you again next week.